Welcome to the Entrepreneur Organization Business Podcast. I am your host, Lynn Pedetti. Today, I'm thrilled to have Damien Blumenkrank as our guest, an EO Melbourne member. He's not only a father of two who migrated to Australia 20 years ago, but also a seasoned entrepreneur since the age of 14. Damien's impressive resume boasts the founding of over five successful businesses spanning IT, beauty, video production, and technology. Now, in this episode, we dive into Damien's latest venture, the acquisition and transformation of Sunset Sleepers. Taking charge in March 2021, Damien orchestrated a complete overhaul of the company, resulting in an impressive doubling of the size in just over two years. Our conversation offers a valuable glimpse into the world of transitioning into the manufacturing industry shedding light on the challenges and nuances that come with acquiring a new business. Let's give a warm welcome to Damien. Welcome on the show, Damien. So good to have you here. Thank you, Lynn. It's great to be here. Yeah, yeah. So, Damien, I see that you were president of Mel- uh, the EO Melbourne as well, wasn't it? Uh, how long ago were you a uh, president of Melbourne? Well, I handed over back in uh, 1st of July. So uh, 1st of July. Ah, our new recent uh, Melbourneian president. So I I was originally from Melbourne. I, I, you know, I come back there a fair bit. So Melbourne's very close to my heart. But uh, yeah, today I wanted to have a chat with you and really learn about your journey in your on your in your entrepreneurship and how you recently got back into entrepreneurship by acquiring a business. So before we get started, do you want to share a little bit about you know your journey in in business? If I really think about it, I started in business very early on when I was about uh, fifteen years old. I was in high school and uh, for a random occurrence, I got hands of a very cheap supplier of computer parts back in uh, back in Argentina. And I started selling to everyone else at school. So buying them in the afternoon and going and selling them at school. And then I set up what it was the first online shop in Argentina before um, before we had internet. It was called uh, BBS, Bulletin Board Systems. And uh, I used to sell to all the other nerds that um, were doing the same thing as I was. So technically, I think I launched the first online shop back then. And then, so yeah, how, how did you kind of transition from having a business to becoming business mentor and then now kind of coming back into buying a business course? Yeah, tell me more about the Sun Slipper business as well. So when I when I came to Australia, I, I was in a student visa, so I couldn't really continue my, my corporate career at the time. So I was going to have a couple of years kind of delay. So I started my own business then to overcome the challenge of the limited hours of work and the, the journey started there and started setting up different businesses and eventually uh, selling them and until back in 2018 we sold our video production business which was the the last one at the time uh, we ran for 10 years um, called creativa so we exited the business we did our six months handover and then i was free so i took kind of a year off i went traveling the world came back, renovated my house, and it was time to start again and do something. And COVID hit, so I got an extra, another extra year of uh, uh, working out what to do. And while that happened, I started searching for businesses to buy. Uh, I was really interested in um, in the local in local manufacturing. I thought, I, I think that uh, Victoria needs more local um, manufacturers. And uh, also because of the renovation, I got very keen on the construction industry. And when this one appeared, it kind of merged both of those uh, worlds. So I got an interest. I thought there was, well, we thought with Miguel, my business partner, that there was a lot of uh, opportunity in that industry, that it was kind of protected at the time of COVID. So it, it was uh, in a way safer than other industries or, or obvious that it wasn't going to get 
decimated by by COVID. Mm-hmm. And uh, and yeah, so we, we did our due diligence and our negotiations and we ended up acquiring the business. Mm, so tell me more about Sun Sleepers. What exactly is the product? Sunset Sleepers. We manufactured concrete Sunset, sleepers. Not Sun Sleepers, Sunset Sleepers, yes. We manufacture concrete sleepers for retaining walls. So if you go to your backyard, you probably have a, either a garden bed or a retaining wall. If if your land is not completely flat, it's a little bit on a slope. Every a lot of um, a lot of homes in Australia use them just to to make sure that we can create the flat land that we need to build. And uh, also used on freeways, bridges. If you go to level crossings or or bridges or tunnels, they're really used everywhere. Everywhere there is a slope and you need to cut the land and make it flat. You need to put a retaining wall in. Mm, okay. So do, were you aware of the product before you found this business, or did you see this business and you're like? Hey, this looks like an interesting product. Then let me get into this. Like, what made you decide? Yeah, this was the the one to give it a go. Well, that, that's interesting. I, I obviously was aware of uh, of sleepers and retaining walls. I was not particularly interested in in sleepers or concrete sleepers at all. And um, when I I found this product, well, this is the thing. I wanted to get into manufacturing, but I had zero experience in manufacturing or construction. So. When I went to see this, when we went to see this plant and how it's how the product's made, it looked kind of simple enough. I mean, obviously I, I got that wrong, but it felt simple enough. I could understand the process. I could understand how it gets done. I could understand um, it was uh, when we purchased the business. It was quite of a, a very manual manual labor, so you can see everything that's happening. So the it, it was something that was out of our grasp to to understand and learn it very quickly. So it makes sense to buy something like that than a complex manufacturing business. So we saw a lot of other ones. Some require really high skilled people. So you would depend on the people that you that come with the business. You don't know what's going to happen to them. Uh, so it wouldn't give us enough time to skill ourselves up to be able to run it without them. So this was a kind of a, a risk mitigation strategy as well to buy some simple product. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also, we saw a lot of opportunities and potential. We saw that the market was growing that the building industry was growing, um, that more land needed to be developed, that there's a lot of replacement work to be done. There was a lot of uh, um, government infrastructure projects uh, going on or about to go on. So we saw that opportunity. We saw the opportunity of um, converting this factory into less manual, less 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 manual handling, a lot more automated and optimized. Uh, we saw a lot of opportunities in those areas. We also saw a few other risks, a risk in terms of uh, type of clients, relationships, uh, that the people that we have working in the factory, OHS. We also saw, I forgot, there was another opportunity that was. Now, the, the reality is that all the risks and all the opportunities that we we saw actually materialized bigger and faster than we anticipated. And so, which means that the year that we took over, we we had to completely transform the whole business, replace pretty much everyone working on it, um, all the equipment, all the plants equipment, uh, all the processes and procedures, all the methodologies, build new modes. At the same time that we had to almost double the business in the, in the year. So it was a very, very challenging year. Uh, COVID hit us again, which made it a bit more challenging even. But eventually we pull through and uh, now we have a much healthier, sustainable business after all. 
Yeah. Well, I'm just curious to know, like, what attracted you to the manufacturing business? Because my husband has been in manufacturing for over 20 years and he said it's one of the hardest things, you know, where you physically have to be there. You've got to have factories and machines and very expensive capital. And, you know, when he started, the internet wasn't really around. So he saw that online is such a breezy kind of style business. And so, uh, you know, it's one of the things that he's like, I wish if I, if I had the time again, I'll do something more online. And so, you know, knowing that you've been in business so long, what made you decide to get into a harder industry? Something that's like more capital, you know, more require, it requires you uh, to be physically there. Being physically there is, is a challenge. However, I come from running uh, a job job, which is video production, where you sell project by project, month by month. You have worked with a lot of creatives and the outcome is intangible. The sell is intangible. You're working with corporates and there is pressure points. And, and you compete with people that can start competing with you just with a $1,000 computer at home alone. So to be honest, nothing felt that was going to be any harder than that business. Uh... And we made it quite successful. But I had a little bit of maybe a little bit of overconfidence there in terms of uh, the difficulty of the business. I must admit, I'm not going to say it's easy. It's been, it's been pretty hard, but I still think it's easy. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, I'm actually at small scale it's okay, but at big scale. Yeah, I recently heard from another um, colleague who said, kind of like every business has its ups and downs and its disadvantage and advantage. And there's actually no great business. Business is just hard in general. So it's it's good to know that you also felt the same, considering you've been in completely two different type of industry. So what what was the first thing that you faced when you you came in buying a business? Like, can you can you paint the picture of uh, what it's like to when you acquire a business? You know, what usually uh, happens at the beginning? Uh, just to add one thing to the previous point, there is another factor that attracted me to a different business, which is to compete in a what we call an ugly duck business, where our online knowledge and savviness and technology savviness and experience differentiates us from anyone else running the same type of business. Whereas if I do an online shop, an online business or video production, we're competing with people that know as much, if not more, as we do. So that, that was a competitive advantage as well. Yeah. Now, um, so your question was about uh, how was this brought the the buying process? Yeah, and more like um, you know you've bought it, and then it's like, what does the first day look like? What does the the first you know three months look like when you're acquiring it? Are you like straight away just on the tools, or are you like uh, it's just really back end reading the t- manual? Have you got all the people that are existing there and just they're still running the show? Well, our intention was to change absolutely nothing. Our intention was to go in, observe it, see how everything works for a year or six months to a year, do very little, like the very minimal changes. We have a particular um, unique scenario here where we only had, I think it was three weeks handover. The previous owner lived in Queensland, so he came in and he needed to go back before lockdown happened again. So we have a very small handover. So we focused on trying to get as much knowledge from him as possible the first uh, the first few weeks, trying all the different roles. So we tried every single uh, role in the business, uh, yeah, on the tools, driving a forklift, anything that we could just to learn every aspect of it as quickly as possible, get embedded really deep, intensely into the business. And when you say we, is that yourself or did you bring, uh, uh, you know, people from your previous business or anything? I've been, all the businesses that we created and sold and this one, I've, I've been doing it with my long, long business partner, Miguel. It's also in here. So we've, we've been doing it all together. Uh, in this particular one, we also brought some um, knowledge from investors as well. Because of minor investors that bring other kind of knowledge like construction, precast uh, 
manufacturing. So we have a bit of an advisory board there that we created for this for this very same reason. So the intention was that to do absolutely nothing. And we started like that for a week and two weeks, but then we got hit with two problems. The first one is demand was really high and we could not supply demand and quality was really low. So when you buy a business and you realize that those two things are potentially losing you all your client, kind of, and you just still don't understand what it means, you kind of freak out. So you try to solve that problem, throw some money at the problem. So we expanded production in some weird ways, some very like sweet generous and cowboyish ways, just to, just to be able to supply. And, and about a week later as well, one of our investors came to visit. Actually, two of our investors came to visit. One is in construction, the other one in manufacturing. And they looked around and they said, hey, I don't think we can continue operating like this. This is way too dangerous. Like, you actually may go to jail if something. And then I started losing sleep and it meant that I had to make immediate changes. Now in a production environment, you start making one change and then suddenly we went, we lost 50% of the product. Like to make it safer, we lost 50% of the production capacity. Mm -hmm. Remember, we were in capacity problem for starters. Yeah. Now, now we limit it to half. And this happened like a month in or so. So it was like a snowball effect, right? We changed this, then we need to change something else to cut to, to 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 pick up the, the pace. And that means another change and another change and another problem and another change and another problem. And that snowball went on for probably about a year. Ah. To restabilize. Obviously, where we started and when we ended up day and night. Okay. Like in many aspects, in in, in safety, in quality. In, in capacity, in environmentally friendly. So uh, every single aspect improved like many times, but it was a, a tough year. It was a very, very tough busy year. And, that, and then basically we we now like running it that way and making small improvements while we prepare for the next big step. But we do that off, offline. We don't do it in production line. Mm. And so when things were going wrong, like uh, the quality wasn't as good and you obviously are the new owners, like how did you manage the communication with the customers? Do you go, hey, sorry guys, we're new here and this is like, you know, how did you guys approach it? Remember a few other conversations and go, hey, I promise you, we, we this is this is the plan of what we're going to improve and how we're going to improve it. It's going to take a little bit of time and this is what I'm working on. This is what I'm doing. Can you please be patient with us and and we'll show you at the end of the that at the end of the tunnel you know, I get a much better product and and hopefully we can continue our relationship and uh stick them stuck with us. Mm, yeah. So since the beginning, um you were able to still retain the like the old existing client base, or have you really had to kind of grow it yourself and attract new clients? Both. We retain the most of the clientele and, and we grow. So um. Okay. And looking back now with the way that you acquired this business and how you ran it, like, what do you wish that you have would have known or how would you do it differently the next time you bought you bought something like this? I'm not sure I'd do it differently. Maybe a structure a little, a little bit different, but that's nothing to do with that. I guess the one thing we could have done is, uh, because we identify all these challenges and all the problems, it's not that we didn't know about them. We just underestimate them, which means that we probably could have negotiated a little bit better the deal in the first place. But than that, but it wouldn't have made to be honest, it wouldn't it wouldn't make much of a difference in the medium term. Only only difference at the very beginning. but uh, or, or in the field more than anything. Not that not just that substantial difference. No, we're in a pretty good deal. We're in a pretty good neat process. Uh with the right advisors, the right procedures. A longer hangover would would have been better, but that that was part of the deal. Uh, I don't know if I will do much different. I did a pretty good job. Yeah, I think there's always going to be a teething issue when you're transitioning into anything new. 
even launching an internal project, let alone buying a business. And so, yeah, I think though, um, no matter what, I don't think you can avoid the teething problem of, um, of something new. Just curious to know, I mean, what is your entrepreneur strategy? Like, are you, you buy, you build cause you have fun building and then you might sell and then look for something fun to do. Like, I guess, what is your attitude towards entrepreneurship and, and, and your future goals? Well, the first thing that is important for me is that we, I want to go to work and enjoy. Like the moment that that stops happening, then I lose interest in, in continuing and then I need to move on. And what keeps me entertained is new projects, growth, uh, innovation, being creative, uh, being unique. That's what gives me energy. For me, scaling up businesses, making them better, making them more self-sufficient and automated. And in this particular one, it could be selling at some point, but at the moment, it looks more like scaling up, opening new factories, or even buying other businesses to plug into it. Wow, interesting. And so you would just go with the flow and like you said, while it's fun and you can always think another alternative when it's not fun anymore. But so far, everything seems awesome. <laughs> well, fine, it keeps me very engaged. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I'm just curious, you know, during that time that you took some time off, a year here and then a year there, you know, what was life like uh, when you didn't have a business and you were free again? You know, I, I'm just curious to know what it's uh, what the day is like for someone that, that was an entrepreneur, busy working, and then to the, the year, were you really rested and didn't think about work or were you, you know, always thinking about what business to start again? No, well, I did a few things. I uh, took the family for a trip around the world and a Spanish immersion trip for uh, just over four months all over the world. So that, that kept us busy for a while. I started mentoring other, other entrepreneurs and other businesses as well that kept me engaged and connected. Got involved into some investment boards and um, not-for-profits, including EO. Uh, started getting more involved and got on the board. And um, also did two massive renovations in my house on my own. So like literally on, on the tools. So that kept me busy for a while as well. Had a, little, had a lot more flexibility and more kind of peace of mind in a way, like, like more freedom to think about anything I wanted, mm. uh, but I, but I, I stay quite busy. Mm. So do you think that you would ever retire or would you always be like, you know, working on a project or working in a business somehow? I, I don't think I could retire in the sense of doing that. Like, right. Don't wish we do something. It might be a little more or less pressure, more or less demanding, uh, or uh, the commitment may be softer, but, but I definitely will be doing something. I, I don't think I'll ever like retire and do nothing yeah yeah okay. actually i don't think i know how to do that <laughs> yeah i i think so too i feel the same i think i'll yeah, you know like what you did you were helping eo you're still adding value to others i don't think you can actually sit there knowing what you know knowing what you can give back so mm-hmm. onto that topic too i mean ultimately like what do you want the world to remember you for it's a good question sometimes like i really want this for um for those that I got the opportunity to spend time with that they feel that I made a significant positive uh, impact on their lives. Somehow they remember Damien as the person that at some point of time made a really good impact, positive uh, and significant for them. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much, Damien, for spending time with me today. I will have your details in the description below of the video. And uh, yeah, so great to have you. And But uh, yeah, great to, to have you on the show. Thank you very much, Lynn. And um, I look forward to Maybe I don't, I'm not looking so much forward to watching myself on video. I never liked that, but I still watch it. <laughs> Thank you.